welcome to Booking Back Podcast, where we stroll down memory lane and revisit the books of our childhood, what they meant to us, and how they've affected us today. While we, your co-hosts, are millennials, the nostalgia of childhood never ages. Join us as we travel back in time. Welcome to Booking Back Podcast. We're hoping that we find an audience with some of you who grew up with us enjoying these same books. I'm your co-host, Penn, here with my other co-host, Rocky. Hi, everyone. I'm Rocky. Originally from Colorado, born and raised, I moved out to Pennsylvania a few years ago where I met my lovely co-host. For me, my name comes from me, uh, except for the first nine months of my life, being a lifelong Pennsylvanian. I grew up outside of Philly, but uh, now I live in Pennsylvania and I actually enjoy it. (laughs) The first book is Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone, written by J.K. Rowling. And probably the most famous quote out of this book is, it does not do to dwell on dreams and forget to live. Remember that, said by Albus Dumbledore. So Rocky, what does this book mean to you? Do you remember the first time you read it? I remember the, you know, when it first came out, it was such a a huge, huge deal. And I actually um, went to India around that time. Um, And the interesting quote, I guess the interesting fact I should start with is that the book and the movie is called um, Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone everywhere except the US. Um, So when it came out, in the U.S., it's called Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. So I, I bought the book. I read it. I went to India. Um, and whenever I whenever I went to India growing up, I would go to this bookstore called Landmark, which if you um, have been to India or are familiar, it's a huge, large bookstore, kind of like Barnes & Noble, um, mm-hmm. very famous in that area. And they have uh, what I consider cheap books because of the <laughs> uh, difference between a dollar and the rupees. Um, so I'd go there and I'd buy a bunch of books whenever I went to visit. You know, I'd go for months at a time during the summer when I was younger and I had that kind of time. Um, So I remember going around this time and I picked up the Harry Potter book and it said Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone. And I was so shocked about this. And my cousin's like, yeah, that's the title. And I was like, no, but I thought it was Sorcerer's Stone. And of course, Google was not really a thing. And uh, smartphones were not really a thing back then. (laughs) You you know what? That's because Google was just being invented. (laughs) There you go. I was not hip on the times when I was in fifth grade. None of us were. (laughs) Thank God. We had more important things to worry about. Exactly, exactly. But that that always stuck with me because that was the first time I'd realized like things are different. And I'm sure I did before, but that was like one of those defining like the U.S. is different from other parts of the world just with one like a book. A book had different titles. Yeah. And it's kind of funny because there are so many things that um, like soccer in the United States is different than, or sorry, not soccer, football. (laughs) Football (laughs) is different in the U.S. than it is in other countries. So, um, and that's like another big thing because American football is a huge deal here. And I don't really see it as, you know, as big of a thing in other countries. Yeah. Um, And it's really football, soccer. That's the big deal in other countries for sure. I was going to say American football is aptly named because Americans really only care about that and then everyone else <laughs> soccer's soccer slash football a big and, one. yeah yeah I remember hearing the story Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone when I was in fifth grade our teacher actually read it to us um, and at that point it had been out for a year um, and it was kind of becoming a very popular book and she would read it to us after recess it would kind of calm us down after you know 
running around outside and we loved it. And what's hilarious too, I just remembered this, is nobody knew how to say Hermione's name. So she would, she called her Hermione, which I think is a very <laughs> common pronunciation. Like, I don't think anybody knew how to pronounce it until the, the movies came out but because yeah. it's not a very usual name. Let's put it that way. I think it comes from Shakespeare. It actually was a banned book in my household because my parents were very uh, religious, very Christian religious. And so um, that was a book that I had to kind of sneak and read. Like my parents weren't around, I'd read it real quick. The church was having a big issue with the books just because, you know, Hogwarts, a school of witchcraft and wizardry and, you know, churches don't like witchcraft. It's really funny because when um, I was a kid, I was like, hanging at church and I found an article that was on the copier um, and it was actually from The Onion, which is a satire. (laughs) And um, the article was hilarious because um, it would say stuff like, well, you know, I used to believe stuff in Sunday school, but then I read Harry Potter and Jesus is stupid. Like very clearly satire. There were no transitions in the article at all. You know, for a couple of years, I was like, my mortal soul, it's in danger because I love Harry Potter. And uh, fortunately, you know, I kind of got over that. And, you know, honestly, it's it's not a, a book about teaching you witchcraft when it comes down to it. It's really just a children's story. So what's your favorite part of the story? Um, so my favorite part, actually, spoiler alert, is the end <laughs> uh, when they when they have their final dinner and uh, they're counting up the points and then, you know, Slytherin's well in the lead. But then surprise, there's points being assigned. And I always loved how Dumbledore, it seems arbitrary. I'm sure the points make sense to someone. But to me, it's like 50 points here, 60 here. Yeah. And then they're tied. And then a magic, you know. Oh, that was my favorite part when he gives the points to Neville because like poor Neville is kind of hooped on through the whole book. You know, Neville's just the screw up who doesn't know how to do anything. However, I I wonder how Dumbledore knew about it. I'm sure that the trio probably told him the whole story. And just the fact that Neville was the one that put them over the top. I love that. You know, the underdog kind of uh, makes a comeback. Yeah, absolutely. I loved it. But it's always, it always makes me laugh. Like he's like, here, 50 points. So just so Gryffindor will win. I really love that he's able to see his family for the first time just because um, he, you know, he's never seen them before. He's only heard people say, you look like your dad, um, but you have your mom's eyes. And that was, you know, that's something that you know by looking in the mirror, maybe like, oh, so that's how they look like. But to actually see them in a full form, like what a treat for him. But the beginning of the book kind of opens up with meeting the Dursleys. There's no Harry in sight in the beginning, you know, and you kind of get the sense that the Dursleys are prim and proper, kind of uptight people, not really people you want to have as friends. Um, and and Mr. Dursley is shocked to hear uh, the Potters mentioned when he's seeing some weirdos, as he calls them, uh, you know, wearing weird cloaks and top hats and, and kind of giggling and being very excited together. Um, and so later on that evening, uh, Dumbledore actually shows up and McGonagall is also already there. Um, and McGonagall confirms the news that the Potters, uh, Harry's parents, are dead. And that Harry was the only one who survived. He was able to defeat Voldemort, or he who must not be named. You know, what's really interesting to me is that Dumbledore is like, oh, Harry's going to stay here with these muggles. Um, and, you know, they must have known, having known the Potters, you know, before they died, that they didn't really have a relationship with their muggle family it's very very interesting that Dumbledore knew that Harry probably wouldn't be as treated as well 
um, as he would in a wizarding family. And I, I do kind of agree to his rationale to a point. You don't want a kid to grow up kind of big headed, but at the same time, you don't want that kid to be abused either. If a kid gets dropped on somebody's doorstep, the police are going to be called and probably children and youth. So whatever the English version of children and youth is, like Harry should have at least had a social worker. I'm just saying. And so that way, you know, the social worker could check in if he was, you know, getting enough to eat and all of that. Um, but unfortunately, Harry wasn't. He was kind of very much neglected um, and sometimes straight up abused, put under solitary confinement sometimes, underneath like a underneath the stairs in his little cupboard, not getting enough to eat uh, and not being given the same opportunities as his cousin. Like that was really difficult to watch. Anyway, 10 years later, we find out that um, Harry has some weird stuff that happens to him. Like the famous one, of course, is the zoo where the snake <laughs> escapes. I kind of could see it in my mind too. I, I, that's another favorite scene of mine. It's a fun scene, I think. Yeah, because you see Dudley getting his, you know, <laughs> you can see. Finally, like, right. <laughs> yeah, total bully. And he finally gets his, um, which unfortunately leads to him being punished. But anyway, um, letters start coming to Harry. Harry can never get his hands on them to open them and find out what they say. But the contents of these letters make the Dursleys so upset that they um, move him to a bigger room. When that doesn't work and the letters still keep coming, they uh, go to a deserted kind of island in the middle of nowhere where it's raining and storming. And Dudley is like, my parents have gone crazy. But anyway, they're they're sitting in this cold, dark island and all of a sudden they hear a thump thump. And who comes in but Hagrid, a huge giant with a pink umbrella that does magic. (laughs) Um, And with that pink umbrella, he gives Dudley a pig's tail and kind of educates Harry on, you're a wizard, Harry. And um, (laughs) it's really funny when, I I love the part when uh, Hagrid is just like, you mean this boy doesn't know anything? (laughs) You can kind of see Harry being like, hey, yeah. I know yeah. something. Yeah, Harry's like, wait. <laughs> um, but, you know, Harry can believe that the Dudleys, or the, the Dudleys, the Dursleys kept this from him. Um, but he's amazed and thrilled to find out that he's going to go to a different school, one that will teach him magic. So Hagrid takes Harry to Diagon Alley. But it is a play on the world diagonally. Um, And he goes to Gringotts. He's treated as a celebrity at the pub when he walks in. Uh, People rush over to meet him. Uh, And it it was really funny because have you ever met a celebrity? I don't know if a comedian counts. Uh, I don't know if you know Maz Jabrani. Um, So he's a a comedian. He may not be that famous, but he's probably the most celebrity that I've ever met. And it was Uh so funny because I've never met one before him and since. And I've uh, never had anything signed by anyone. So I walked up to him, he was signing them. And he's, he asked me like, who, who should I make this out to? And I said, me, instead of my name. And he's like, well, what's your name? <laughs> I was so embarrassed, but he was like really nice about it. Um, and so I haven't met one since then. How about you, Penn? Have you met any celebrities? Oh my goodness. I have, I, I have a ridiculous uh, composure when it comes to being around celebrities. So when I was in college, um, they were having the presidential debates at my college, but there weren't enough tickets for the students to get in. So a lot of us were kind of milling around the building. Um, And Seth Meyers, the comedian Seth Meyers came out um, and he was literally standing next to me and I was just looking at him slack jawed like, 
with my mouth open, with my eyes bugged out. He totally saw me and was just ignoring me because he was like, that girl is probably insane. And uh, it took me a while to get my words out. Um, but he was already kind of halfway down the street and I yelled after him, can I get your autograph? And he's like, I have to catch a train. And I was like, oh, <laughs> my bad. But at that same event, Joe Biden did come out. And at the time he was just a Senator from Delaware. He wasn't vice president yet. He wasn't president yet. Um, and he literally shook every person's hand and I was so stupid. I didn't get a picture of it. <laughs> he also made a joke. He was like, my uh, daughter goes to that second rate institution up the street, uh, the university of Pennsylvania, which is an Ivy League school. Um, and, and it was just like, so classically Joe, you know, oh, I love it. Really lovely. Love it. Yeah. And <laughs> Maybe I have maybe too many celebrity <laughs> encounters, but my last one, I actually didn't get to meet her, um, but Hillary Clinton also came to my college at that time at a separate event. Um, and I had organic chemistry. I, I made my roommates wait in line so I could have a spot to get in the room. But the time I got there, you know, there was a huge crowd around Hillary. I shoved so many people trying to get to the front of that line. The Secret Service, by the way, was in the crowd. I'm sure they were like, what the hell is this girl doing? And by the time I got to the front, I was so close to Hillary Clinton. But this lady who didn't even go to my college, okay, she was 50 years old. She had a, a bunch of flowers to give to Hillary and she would not let me shove her. So... I did not get to meet Hillary. It was a very close encounter. I was one lady away, um, but somebody grabbed the sign I had and got it autographed. So I do have that, but I did oh, not. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Oh. I was hoping that it would be worth a lot of money one day, um, but we'll see. So anyway, <laughs> at least nobody kind of did that to Harry Potter. They just kind of fawned over him, which I think is a better experience than maybe some of the things I have done. <laughs> um so anyway harry goes to hogwarts a month later but then realizes oh i don't actually know how to get there i know i'm supposed to be on this platform but then the dursleys tell him that's not a real platform nine and three quarters but he meets the weasleys for the first time they tell him how to get through the barrier and it's kind of funny that he met his best friend right when he was about to go through to the magical world on his way to school do you remember how i met you rocky we met at work and you ran up to me the first time I met you and you asked me to stand back to back with you to see if we were the same height. I just remember I you like running, you're like, you're like, stand next to me. And I was like, okay. I didn't even say hello. I don't think Rocky. I was like, Hey, come here, stand next to me. Let me see who's taller. And it was you. I couldn't believe it. It was yeah. you because I have always kind of been the tallest lady in the room. Uh, and legit, you are tall. It's the thing I like least about you. Rocky is how <laughs> how much taller I'll take it if that's if that's the least <laughs> you like least about me I know you have very yeah. little control over that but that's 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 the thing that kind of bothers me about you the most <laughs> sorry I can't really change that so. <laughs> all right all right Rocky all right <laughs> um so anyway he gets to Hogwarts and it's the sorting uh ceremony and everyone kind of makes a big deal about that because the twin the Weasley twins have teased Ron and told him there's a big clever act or obstacle you have to go through and Harry has heard enough and has already met Draco enough so when he's got the hat on he's like not Slytherin not Slytherin and it's very interesting because the hat was considering putting him in Slytherin and spoiler alert we know later on that Harry is a horcrux and so he has that kind of Slytherin piece in him and is that why they wanted to put him in Slytherin? It was not actually he himself, but the part of him that was the Horcrux. You know, he 
<laughs> wants not to be in Slytherin enough that the hat puts him in Gryffindor, uh, leading to thunderous applause for House Gryffindor. Did you ever take a quiz to see if what house you're in? I actually did. I would be in Hufflepuff. Nice. Yes. I, so I took the quiz and I was in Gryffindor, uh, which I do agree with. Um, I, and I think my second choice would be Hufflepuff as well. I don't want to be a Slytherin either. Um, and I don't think I would fit in as a Ravenclaw either. I don't think so. I think Hufflepuff's probably, Yeah. I would be happy with that or Gryffindor, of course. Yeah. yeah. And, and, you know, it's, it's kind of funny because our profession, I think is very Hufflepuffy. You know? I think so. That's probably. <laughs> so, you know, I'm, I'm happy with either one of those houses. Harry starts classes and he, uh, he has potions. He finds out that his professor hates him. He also discovers that he's really good at this game called Quidditch, which is the, I would say the wizarding form of football, maybe. Uh, Quidditch has several different sports, I think, rolled in. But anyway, Malfoy, who has become Harry's nemesis, truly, at school. And Malfoy kind of challenges him to a duel. Uh, Harry and Ron sneak out to go to the duel. And, you know, Malfoy doesn't show up like a tool. And so they're running away because Filch is trying to find them and they discover um, that they're in this third floor co- corridor and they find out that they're in the room with the three-headed dog. They run away. Anyway, um, they're able to make it back to the dorms, but while um, Halloween rolls around, a troll is found in the castle. Um, Hermione is in the bathroom crying because Ron has been typically rude to her. Um, calling her a know-it-all. And so Harry and Ron sneak off to warn her where they accidentally lock the troll in with Hermione. <laughs> and in the end, they all kind of rescue each other from the troll. And this kind of cements their friendship and makes Hermione actually part of the trio where before it was just Ron and Harry. So um, Harry is a really great guy at Quidditch and he's in his first game where it looks like Snape is jinxing his broom. His broom is bucking and trying to throw him Hermione puts a stop to it by <laughs> trying to set Professor Snape on fire. Um, this stops the bucking uh, of the broomstick and Harry is able to catch the snitch and wins his first game. But I will say, I do not understand Quidditch. The scoring is so confusing. Um, and there actually is a United States Quidditch League. I looked this up because I, I do remember seeing those videos of people on like broomsticks on the ground between their legs, throwing yeah. balls and stuff. And to me, I think like once they figure out how to get broomsticks off the ground, that's when I'll be interested in Quidditch. Otherwise it's kind of yeah. silly to me. So anyway, uh, Harry and Ron stay at Hogwarts Chris, uh, and it's for Harry's first Christmas where he gets a bunch of presents. Um, and the biggest and brightest present he gets is an invisibility cloak left to him by an unknown person. So while he has this cloak on, he's sneaking around the castle. He's trying to find out who Nicholas Lamel is, uh, a name that Hagrid let slip whenever they were talking about um, a package that had gone missing from Gringotts the same day Harry had been there. Um, so he's trying to go to the library, but uh, <laughs> he ends up in a classroom where there is the mirror of Iriset. Um, and I don't know if you noticed, Rocky, but Irised is the word desire backwards. So, um, and it's very telling because that is what the mirror does. Uh, I show not your face, but your heart's desire. And that's the inscription around the mirror, but it's, it's backwards. Oh, very um, interesting. Actually, yeah. did you know that uh, J.K. Rowling said this was their favorite chapter in the book? Oh, um, I believe yeah. that. Yeah. It's a, it's a great one. And I, I believe the quote that we started the... Um, the episode with is from that chapter too. Um, and so 
this is the first time Harry sees his family and, you know, it's not just his parents. He sees his extended family, you know, he finds his knobby knees on like a great uncle or something like that, which I think is so funny. <laughs> uh, and I, I just can't imagine not knowing what your parents looked like. And so I, I understand why he is so uh, enthralled with it. And he later brings Ron back to look at it, but Ron, instead of himself, you know, kind of in a glorious position of being, you know, leader of the Quidditch team, leader of, you know, Gryffindor, all that kind of stuff. So whenever Harry comes back another time, Dumbledore is actually there and tells him, you know, this, this mirror can cause people to go crazy just because they look at what they want, not really knowing if it's the future or if they will actually be able to achieve it. And so Dumbledore says, I'm going to move the mirror and please don't go looking for it. And Harry says, okay. <laughs> so um, it's after Christmas when the trio realizes what the three-headed dog Fluffy is guarding, which is the Sorcerer's Stone, um, which can provide eternal life and belongs to the Nicholas Flamel that uh, Hagrid had let slip, who is Dumbledore's friend. And did you know that Nicholas Flamel is a real person? He was actually around in like the 15th or 16th century and was an alchemist. But um, I think there's a lot of legend and lore around him as well. Um, obviously, well, maybe I shouldn't say obviously he's not around now. We don't know, right? He could have another name if he really did have the <laughs> Sorcerer's Stone. Um, but uh, it's I really like how she kind of, how J.K. Rowling kind of taps into some of that mythology when she brings in um, certain characters into her stories. So the trio, one day when they're visiting Hagrid, they realize that there's a dragon's egg in the fire because it is so sweltering hot in that room. And they ask him, where did you get that? And <laughs> Hagrid says, oh, I want it in a poker game. Totally normal for somebody to have that in their pocket, right? Um, Draco is snooping around and actually finds out about the dragon hatching. And so the trio realizing that this is a very tenuous situation, uh, persuades Hagrid to part with the dragon. So they write Ron's brother, Charlie, who has friends pick up the dragon from the highest tower at Hogwarts. Um, but unfortunately, Hermione and Harry are caught. And so they are given um, detention and ultimately 150 points from Gryffindor is taken away because they also catch Neville who was trying to warn Harry and Hermione, God bless him. Um, Draco was also um, caught snooping around at night and he also had to serve uh, detention with them. So their detention is going into the Forbidden Forest with Hagrid. And they're tasked with finding out um, a hurt unicorn who has been bleeding everywhere. Um, and they split up into pairs. And Harry finds himself uh, seeing a hooded man drinking the blood of a unicorn who is dying. And then the man tries to attack Harry, but he is saved for Renzi, a centaur. Um, who tells him that Voldemort is the one who is after the stone. Uh, and it's really funny because earlier in the chapter, you meet the other centaurs who are, you know, very helpful by saying Mars is bright tonight. Mars is bright tonight. And, you know, I didn't know this until a, an adult, but Mars is the god of war. And so that's what they were saying, that war is coming tonight. Um, so anyway, the trio the realized that Hagrid has let slip how to get past Fluffy, the three-headed dog, while he was playing his poker game to win the dragon's egg, which probably was the whole point of the game to begin with. Um, the person Hagrid was playing wanted information. So uh, the trio decided we need to get the stone first. Voldemort cannot win. And at that point, they think Snape is the one who's helping him. 
So they get past Fluffy by playing music. They nearly get nailed by Devil Snare, the plant. Um, they're able to catch the winged key. And then they have to play wizard's chess, which is probably the only thing Ron is good at the whole book. Sorry. Um, and he, he ultimately gets you know wiped off the board. He can't continue on with the other two. They get to the logic por- portion with potions. Um, and Hermione is very clever and figures out that this is a riddle. And it, it's kind of funny to me too, because I definitely see parallels in our world. Like how many people have you met who are very educated but don't really have a lot of logic, you know? So, oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yep. for me, it's not like how educated you are. Like, are you able to solve a problem by thinking about things? And definitely Hermione is one of those, even though she is extremely clever, she also has logic. So anyway, um, Hermione has enough potion to go back. Harry has potion to go forward. And when he gets there, instead of seeing Snape, he is shocked, absolutely shocked to come face to face with Quirrell. Um, and Quirrell is talking about his master and all of that. And, you know, Harry is starting to trash talk Voldemort and he hears a voice that is not coming from Quirrell's mouth, but coming from Quirrell. Um, and so that's when uh, Quirrell takes his turban off and Voldemort was there the whole time, <laughs> which is crazy. Surprise. Yeah. Surprise. <laughs> um, and so the mirror of Aristid is in the room with them and Harry looks in the mirror and for however strong magic, the, the uh, Sorcerer's Stone is put into his pocket. And Voldemort, probably because he is so good at mind reading, um, realizes that Harry has the stone. So Quirrell tries to attack Harry, but is not able to hold him or touch him. And that is when it kind of fades to black a little bit. Harry wakes up and Dumbledore is there. Um, Dumbledore tells him kind of, you know, you made it. <laughs> we got to you just in time. Uh, Dumbledore says that Flamel has decided to destroy the stone. He's okay with dying finally after 665 years, is it? Um, and then so that's when you know our favorite scene comes up where Dumbledore gets up and everything is decorated in Slytherin fashion and he kind of changes the game says hey guess what Gryffindor you win <laughs> and everything changes and uh, Harry says it's it's one of the happiest moments of his life up to that point so that was that was very uh exalted kind of ended on a high note there and makes you kind of hungry for the next one have you ever you've probably seen the movie yes Yes, I have seen it a couple times. Most recently this past, because it's kind of a Christmassy sort of movie. So we thought uh-huh. we'd watch it around that holiday time. Oh, wonderful. And, you know, the, the movie is very good. I remember it kind of came out maybe when I was in like sixth or seventh grade. Um, and it's it's wild, too, because the actors that were cast in it were about the same age as we were. So it really was a movie that kind of grew with us or a series that grew with us as we grew older. Um but some fun facts about the movie. Um, but J.K. Rowling was offered the role of Lily Potter in the Mirror of Erised scene. And she felt that she was not an actress and would muck it up somehow. So she uh, passed on that. That would have been neat, you know, with the Marvel movies and stuff, how Stan Lee's. Yeah, that would be and, cool. Uh, but it's, uh, that's too bad, but I understand. <laughs> uh, another fun fact, Peeves, the the sassy ghost um he's not in the movies he was supposed to be but i guess his scenes were cut you know before the final 
final release, yeah. which is, which I believe, is too I bad. Believe, yeah, I believe they filmed some of them, but they did end up getting cut and then they just didn't continue on in the other movies in the series. Um, and then Harry was actually supposed to have green eyes because that is a very classic description of him from book to book to book. Uh, and Daniel Radcliffe has blue eyes. They tried giving him contacts, but he had a pretty severe allergic reaction. So they're like, no, okay, we'll give him blue eyes. And the similar thing with uh, with Hermione. She's supposed to have these big buck teeth um, that they describe in the book. But um, Emma Watson, I guess she tried using fake teeth, was having trouble saying her lines with them. So eventually the director was like, you know what? We just won't have them. Um, and the movie at all the book itself was rejected 12 times and i'm sure those publishing houses are kicking themselves i mean this is a book that's so highly revered as part of children's literature lore you know and it has the franchise of both the movies and also the um the theme park um yeah have you been there i have not been there but it's on my bucket list Hopefully I haven't been there either. And I don't know that it's on my bucket list. I've seen pictures no. of it. I'm like, that's good enough for me. I, I just don't like a lot of crowds and lines and crying children. That's fair. <laughs> yeah. I guess I'm an old lady. I kind of want, I'll, I'll stay at home and let other people tell me how it was. <laughs> I think I just want to go to just experience it. Another fun fact, uh, Rosie O'Donnell and Robin Williams both wanted to be in the movie. Um, but JK Rowling only wanted English or Irish actors. But that would have been kind of neat to have them in the movie series. Yeah, and, and I, I read that um, Robin Williams wanted to be Hagrid. I think he would have made a great Hagrid, but I can't imagine anybody else other than the guy that they picked to play Hagrid as Hagrid because he is so, I think he fits so perfectly. Perfect, it's kind of yeah. funny too, because I listen to the audiobooks and I think the narrator who reads it sounds exactly like him whenever he does the voice for Hagrid. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, he does a really great Haggard voice. And I really hate, though, his uh, McGonagall voice. Because I think he does try to sound like Maggie Smith. But he's just not as good at, at ladies' voices. I'm sorry. Like, I think he's really great at the guy voices. But maybe they should have gotten somebody else to play the lady voices. Just yeah, one woman's opinion. Um, and then, of course, the first movie had Richard Harris playing Dumbledore, who unfortunately passed away. But he actually only even took the role of Dumbledore after his 11-year-old granddaughter swore that she would not talk to him unless he took this role (laughs) which was such an amazing flex you know if I were her I would put that on my resume you're welcome public uh same thing with uh Viggo Mortensen's kid apparently he wouldn't have played Aragorn if his son who was reading Lord of the Rings at the time uh wouldn't have kind of begged him to take the role so really these uh child children and grandchildren of celebrities are really the unsung heroes (laughs) Um, and then, of course, J.K. Rowling herself, um, her name is actually Joanne, but she picked the pen name J.K. because her publisher told her it would be um, easier for her to reach a wider audience, meaning the boys, uh, if she had a name that was not gender specific. So J.K. Rowling could be a man or of a woman so that's the name that's the reason why she has that pen name and she the k is supposed to stand for kathleen even though she doesn't have a middle name um because that was one of her grandmother's name cool and uh, it's kind of funny because you and i have a kind of pen name or a podcasting (laughs) name um kind of for not for the same reasons more because we have day jobs and we don't want to kind of conflate the two ultimately though there is one thing uh, that i think we should say about Uh, J.K. Rowling. So she has recently come under fire uh, for her comments about the trans community 
and she is labeled as a TERF. So a TERF is a trans exclusionary radical feminist. It doesn't, you know, roll off the tongue. <laughs> that I actually did go and and educate myself a little bit about because I didn't understand what the whole... But from my understanding, she had made some comments on Twitter that were supportive of people who kind of separated trans women from cis women or, or women who are genetically women. This caused a lot of problems because, of course, the trans community suffers a lot um, of discrimination. They have a higher rate of suicide, a higher rate of homicide compared to other, you know, other groups of people. And so her making these comments, and I do agree with this, can make that community feel a little bit more unsafe because it kind of okays groups of people discriminating against them. So, um, and it's, it's pretty sad to see somebody who wrote such an excellent series that is against discrimination, which we'll see in some of the later books, kind of have this opinion. Yeah, yeah. it's pretty disappointing. And I think, uh, you know, we uh, I read somewhere about how, you know, the, the series on HBO Max, the, with all oh, the characters the and everything, special. the uh-huh. reunion special, they've sort of, uh, what I heard is they kind of distance, distance themselves from JK Rowling, unfortunately, when they're making the series because mm-hmm. of these these views and everything so right uh, the actors definitely have a different point of view like Daniel Radcliffe actually released a statement that was lovely to read it was very much like she believes these things she obviously played a big role in my life but you know I stand with the trans community trans women are women and, and it was really wonderful to see and I I, I think a lot of quote-unquote kids <laughs> in our generation are, are kind of at the same point because when we were kids being gay first off, um, was just starting to be acceptable or kind of out in the open. And that was kind of the civil rights issue of our generation that kind of became sorted out. And now I think there is a wider acceptance or even like a knowledge of trans people existing. And so I'm hopeful that over the next few years that trans people will be treated better. Um, But definitely comments like JK's don't help. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. All right, so this wraps up our first episode, Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. Our next book will be the second Harry Potter book, Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets. So if you want to get started reading that and join us for our next uh, session. Please join us again for our next episode where we dive into another book from our past. Make sure you're following us on social media where we list upcoming books as well as behind the scenes, fun facts and trivia for each episode. Follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at BookingBackPod. Until next time, don't be afraid to book back.